It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 64 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, December 14th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Joined this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Hey, gang. Hello. <laughs> this is good, Pat. You're stepping your game up. Yeah, I like can appreciate it. Yes. Thanks. We have jokingly talked about the year in review being a bunch of Patisms. Although, I, if you I, make another prediction in the beginning of 2019, we'll talk about it for the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, you know. Guys, don't don't call me out on my own game. My game is successful, <laughs> and I'm going to maintain that success level. Long live voice search. Well, here we are. We, we, this is actually the second podcast we've recorded this week. We played mm-hmm. some catch-up. Um, right. So um, we're, we're stacking them in there for the holidays. And uh, so here we are. We're how many days away from uh, Christmas? It's uh, the 14th. 11th. So 11 days? 11 days. Christmas Day. Uh, if you haven't gotten your online orders in by most people, well, I think you have until like Wednesday of next week for regular ground shipping. So get on it. Well, another week. What uh, What are you guys uh, prepared to talk about? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in, um, and I'm just gonna go ahead and and tell you guys, I was right. <laughs> Oh, we are talking yeah, about voice search. Are. Wow, yeah, you're bringing are. it full circle. Yeah, no, Patrick, it's, thank it's, you. it's it's okay. December fourteenth. We've gone through the entire marketing um, pushes that we're going to see from the holiday shopping mm-hmm. season. At this mm-hmm. point, with eleven days left to go, we're not going to see anything new dropped on us. Right, right, right. At the beginning of the year, I made that bold prediction that you just referenced a minute ago about voice search. I predicted that. We're not going to be talking about it, and it's going to be dead. And all the noise that we heard during the shopping season one year ago was based on marketing from the big box companies selling their own devices. They were only selling the device, not the function of it. Mm, okay. Like you're talking like uh, Amazon Alexa, yeah. Google Home. Yeah, yeah. And they got they pushed all that marketing to get the device in the home. Everybody got it in their home, and then no one knew how to use it, mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to market next. So where are we at now? It's dead. In the holiday season, uh, are there any? Is there any news that's come out on people that are? Uh, again, I I always go back to commerce. How many people yeah, are the, engaged the conver- in commerce on? The conversation has shifted, and we're talking more <clears throat> AI and less um, home assistance, thing like that. So I guess this and can this go, is search in general. We're talking. Yeah, we're talking yeah. About, this, okay, cool. this can come right to my my topic. Um, search engine land put out uh, article: new ways to approach SEO in 2019. And uh, they are pushing accountability and customer experiences. And that goes kind of with um, our mantra and bread and butter here mm-hmm. at, our, at our day job, Black Truck. Um, keep it transparent and keep it human. That's mm-hmm. the kind of thing we've always pushed here. And that just goes hand in hand with accountability and customer experiences. And you want to make it as um, smooth and easygoing for everybody. Right. I think part of the, uh, going back to the, the AI the artificial intelligence side of it, is us as marketers, AI is granting us the ability to get further up the funnel to see where people are starting their search. Mm-hmm. A couple months ago, uh, through some of the classes I took through uh, the Google Partners program, I, um, looking at the um, 
the conversion points, like where, where are they coming from? Where in the totally. funnel are they coming from? <clears throat> coming as a first click or a last click or some sort of blend? Well, the first click model allows us to see where people are starting mm -hmm. their searches, giving us keywords and keyword phrases that are less brand or product specific and more um, problem solving mm -hmm. specific, more of like the, the broad search in getting more conversion data and more value out of those more broad keywords that are less refined. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing with AI on the marketing side for us is we can see further up the funnel and less brand specific or product X. We're seeing, so are you saying we're, we might be seeing more truer picture that way? Yeah, yeah, we'll be able to see the more truer picture and get start with those more broader experiences from people so we can grab a a bigger pool of people, but a more re refined pool, and then bring them in down the funnel along the way. Um, an, a couple of neat stats I saw through here that are worth throwing in here. Um, goodness, where did that go? No, you gotta find them. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta find them. It's probably because I hit your keyboard. Yeah, <laughs> you did. You, you threw off my, my mojo here a few minutes ago. Um, oh, th this was neat. Okay, so. The number one organic search result in Google gets 28% of the clicks. The number two gets 13% of clicks. And number three gets 9% of clicks. And you said organic, right? That was organic, <clears throat> yeah. So you, you think about how that goes down the line. So what's, what's 28 plus 13 plus 9? That's roughly 40%, mm -hmm. okay? So 40% of clicks are coming from those first three positions. Yep. You know, so that, I mean, that still leaves a lot out there. You know, that includes all the other stuff that's happening on page mm -hmm. one now. Yep. Um, yeah, is that additional answers from, uh, you know, people also asked type mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah. Um, and what's included in right. there? Um, tips from um, <clears throat> Search Performance 2019. Master your understanding of audiences and personas. I think that's kind of always something that you want to work on. Totally. Um, understand your customer in minute detail. I think that can go with going further up the funnel. Uh, use artificial intelligence and machine learning to mine data, improve efficiency, and scale. Uh, measure beyond the click. I thought that's one we've talked about here quite a bit, and we've mm -hmm. talked about doing series on things like that before. Mm -hmm. But measure beyond the click, and that's beyond just what what happens after they click on the on your on your ad or your your yeah. organic listing. What what are they doing from there? You need to be able to take. Measurement A and measurement B, put them together and get a better picture out of it. Especially if you're doing, whether it's any kind of lead generation, uh, any kind of uh, sales, e-commerce especially. E-commerce especially, if you have if you have money invested into it. Yeah, if you're not taking a look at, at the, the time to purchase, the time to close that deal, um, because it's really fascinating. It, it, if you have the fortune of working with someone that has a good data set, right? That's the other thing too is, is looking at that data is difficult and understanding it when it's on a really small, small scale. When you have data that's much larger and you can see it over over a good period of time, it's easier to spot, um, you know, okay, yes, we get the majority of our sales off first-time visitors, but that could be 40% of the time. Right. The other 80% is multiple days after. You know, we've seen it too where it's like, okay, Whoa, look at this window of people that are 20 plus days mm -hmm. after, after the yeah. after first visit that are converting. And that's could be a, it's, it's huge. Also, too, it depends <clears throat> on your attribution model. You know, you could be getting the wrong data. You know, mm -hmm. those first visitors based on a last click model might not be first visitors. Right. 
Right. Um, yeah, the, the, the way this article finishes up is celebrate your successes. Mm. Don't be afraid to be happy about the things that you did right. And, yeah. And, you know, put a chip on your shoulder and brag about what you did right. You know, you, you mentioned something about audience, audience knowing, understanding your customer. And I, I got asked this question this, this morning um, by a uh, college student, actually, that I met with. And he, he brought the question up of, you know, how how what's like what's the percentage of your of, of our customers our clients that um know the personas or know who they're targeting and mm. so you know the majority of them the majority of them do right they know their customer fairly well or they can at least define it but then i was thinking about some additional conversations i've had over the past few weeks with with folks and it, it really is okay you know who your customer is or who you say it is but that could be completely different than who you think it is uh, or who it actually is online in your right. space, especially when it comes down to uh, local search and things like that. Yeah, you you may say this this brewery. I'm looking at beers and stuff around the table. So <laughs> you're you're looking at this brewery or this uh, cider company as your competition, but regionally in your area, or when it comes down to just like raw search data and who's coming up in the SERPs they may not even be on the radar. Right. And if that's the case, you almost need to have two subsets of your competitors and understanding who your who your competitors are, which also makes me say you need to have two different or multiple subsets or sets of subsets of your audiences. Like you need to understand that you think that's your audience, but mm-hmm. the data is not going to lie. Mm-hmm. You know, you may want to target 25-year-old recent graduates when in the end it's 45-year-old moms that are buying your stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you can you can know thy audience, but do you really know yeah. your audience based on what your data is telling you? Yeah, and on that note, I was asked this <clears throat> question um, when I did a podcast with PRSSA mm-hmm. a while back. Um, I was asked specifically about target audiences and how that plays into SEO, and my answer was basically, yes, our clients have their hard target audiences in mind that you know they use for all of their marketing totally. tactics. But um, when it comes to organic SEO, for us, we're not specifically actually targeting any um, like demographic-specific information. It comes back to the language. You know, you might we go back to this idea a lot in our conversations that um, the business might call widget X this, whereas their audience calls right. it why mm-hmm. you know but the so, most refined we'll get is their geolocation you know, yeah yeah, that's, yeah for yeah. sure for you sure. know depending on the business and uh their service areas or product yep. areas things like that that's you know we we're not going to tell you you should focus on 24 to, to 50 year old right. females that have a bachelor's degree right right no, that's not that's not how we're playing the game and that's still um that's still loose data you know, that's not yeah. super, I, I, I will argue that that's, um, while it might be a little bit more refined in say like Facebook, because we are as users giving them that information, uh, things have gotten better in Google, but uh, data like that is still not as accurate just because like, look, if, if my kid jumps on YouTube on my phone to watch <laughs> Daniel Tiger oh, videos, sure. like I, like <laughs> I, the, the ads are skewed at that yeah. point. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have to, you have to watch kind of some of that stuff on the browser side, but what would um, they retarget for yeah. Daniel Tiger? No, 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 no. They, 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 um, <laughs> she'll see ads that are, that are targeted for me. Oh, because I'm the login sure, user. Sure. Okay, yeah, I, I so yeah. you, which so as a parent, you really have to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like I don't need the latest Netflix, um, you know, 
uh, making a murder series coming across there. I'm like, oh no 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 no, this is a this is a yeah. wholesome thing. Yeah, my yeah. wife and I share an Amazon Prime account. You know, we both Same have thing. apps on our phones, and so like, yeah. they're really confusing what to target us for mm-hmm. because we're looking for very different things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. All right, cool. I look for. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to read that article. I haven't even. Um, I think with two podcasts this week and everything we got going on, I didn't get yeah, it's, a chance it's to look a, at it. It was published. Um, was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ashley, you or yeah, me? I can jump in. Somewhat related. Um, I want to talk about why local businesses will need websites more than ever in 2019. Totally. Mm. So that is actually the title of um, an article published by Miriam Ellis. Subtitled The Demise of Facebook? No. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that. But I like where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Miriam Ellis is someone that I've enjoyed following. She's got some really great insights on local SEO. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend going back and checking some of her. Her and Joy Hawkins do a good job. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So back in episode 62, I talked about Maz's annual study on local search ranking factors and how the importance of Google My Business is growing. And... It's been a common theme in industry discussions and conferences and in our podcast, I'd say for the past year plus, uh, that Google is making it harder and harder for search users to have a reason to click and jump off of search results and onto a website. Um, So Maz's State of Local SEO Industry Report for 2019 states that 64% of surveyed local business marketers agree that Google is becoming the new homepage for local businesses. Okay, so it can be really easy for a local business owner to see that stat and think, well, huh, it looks like I don't need to worry so much about having a website after all. And related to this is the argument that having a Facebook page is enough of an online presence mm-hmm. for a local business. And I hope that no one is saying that these days, to your point, Jason. I think, there, I think there's still a number of... Uh, service-based businesses that will hang their hat on that um, uh, and also um, some bars and restaurants mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> in this article that we'll link to over on Moz, uh, Miriam argues to the contrary about not needing a website. Um, so what I wanted to be sure to share is something that's perhaps not new to all of us, but it's important to consider Um, For any digital marketers who want to start hanging their SEO hat solely on having a Google My Business presence, which a lot of people can draw that conclusion based on all the discussions that have been had lately. Mm. Um, And that point that I want to make is that businesses that rank high organically are very likely to have high associated local pack rankings. And again, um, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but that local pack is when a map and three local businesses will show up on the Google search results. And that is, you know, a high, I'd say, that's going to draw people's attention um, when, when it comes up in a search result page. So um, in other words, if your business ranks well organically, you are much more likely to appear in those local pack features that show your Google My Business listing. And your Google My Business listing should have a link to your website in it as well. And that may or may not play a part in, in how, you know, how you show up in those local packs. Similarly, uh, I guess related, is when we talk about position zero in the featured snippet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
you're yep. obviously you're not going to get that if you don't have a website. But the point that I'm making is that you're well, not you're not going to get that position if you don't, don't have, have a first website. page rank and you don't have the content that supports it. Yep. You can't. You, the, if the majority of those that are winning out in the local pack are those that have websites and their sites that are ranked on the first page, that's a similar yep similar play. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> even yeah, I guess I'm not going to go that route. <laughs> but um, I mean, especially in a very competitive industry, um, yeah. if you don't have a website, it's very likely that your business may not appear on page one of search results. Even if you True. have a Google My Business listing that is packed to the nines with all of your business information. What if you're a successful business without a brick and mortar? You're a successful local business, but you don't have brick and mortar. You do a lot of local online. If you're stuff. a service, you can do it with a service, uh, uh, um, a service area listing. Mm-hmm. That would be the case where you would have a service area mm-hmm. listing. Uh, and you still have a business address. You, yeah, you'd still so, have... Mm-hmm. So, you know, you still have to put a business address in there. Hmm. Now, if it was, say, a home, a home-based business, you're a, um, a landscaper. You know, you run... Maybe you just run a two-man, two-man operation and your office is your house. And you're like, ah, I really don't want to have my home address as that. Well, you can go the service area business and say, this is my address, but it's not necessarily shown... And these are the areas that I serve. Mm. And and the usually the discussion point in local that we've had is for some businesses, do we do that versus having a brick and mortar? There's enough data out there, at least that we've read and studied, that says um, like the closer you are to city center and, and to where that searcher is as a physical location mm-hmm. is actually better. So mm. let's say you are a landscape company that has an office in three different cities that let's say they're 20 miles apart from one another or 30 miles apart from one another. Um, you don't really do anything there other than that's a drop point for you know your crew to kind of show up and where the trucks are. Um, you actually might probably have more success by having those businesses listed there. Hmm. You know, one here in Grand Rapids, one in Muskegon, one in Kalamazoo, let's say, right. versus I have a service area of all of these encompassing areas. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to be as competitive. Because then you, yeah, yeah, you have to compete against starts to dilute everything it. in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it starts to dilute it. Much like an AdWords budget of, you know, yeah. here's $100 a day, but it's $40 click. Yeah. Not getting very far. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Yeah, so the only other thing I wanted to say is that um, in addition to all that, since we're forever at the mercy of whatever Google or the search engines design for their products, um, maintaining a solid website that is your own property and a controllable means of communicating directly to your audience can be very important, as well as creating optimized long-tail content that can help your site, your site rank for um, more refined searches. Uh, that might still display those 10 blue links for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, you need to have that content. You have yeah, to have we, a website. We yeah. saw uh, in the political front, Google was interviewed. Uh, oh, yeah. The Senate panel. Yeah. Um, and he stated again, the CEO of Google, that 15% of daily searches are searches mm-hmm. that Google mm-hmm. has never seen. So that's a pretty big chunk of searches that still will have all brand new results in a yeah. SERP that's never happened before. Yep. yep. They see a lot of, I think, was it 16%? 15. 15%. 15%. Okay. Um, yeah, brand new. They've never seen it yeah. anymore. So crazy. That'll continue. Good stuff. 
Um, so what I'm going to, I'm going to flip things completely around. It, it's some of it's SEO related. Some of it's not. Um, it was more, I mean, we've seen it kind of, we've known about it. It's coming down the pipe. Nobody's really done anything about it. And I was reminded about it from our, our friend Rebecca at Red 66 Marketing, uh, a local uh, marketing firm here in town that we get to do some work with, um, is that WordPress 5.0 is here, uh-huh. which also brings about uh, the famed Gutenberg, um, um, what do I want to call it, content editor. Um, so what's, what's fascinating about this is that... Um, you know, the, the question that, that Rebecca poses is, uh, okay, WordPress 5.0 is is available. Should you upgrade? Should you not? Typically in, in WordPress fashions, you know, uh, WordPress is powering something like 25% of the world's websites. It might even be more than that now. So it's like the, um, it's like the Microsoft uh, <laughs> office suite of the, of the content management world, which also makes it more susceptible to hacks and backdoor entrance points, which is always like, oh, new version of WordPress, better update, security patches, yada, yada, yada. Problem is, depending on what you have going on, that can break your site. That can mm-hmm. break things what you have going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, 5.0 is a major release, and and the reason that it's a major release is because of, of Gutenberg. And it's, it's um, for those of you who know of Gutenberg, have ri- uh, read or developed any content around it, it is completely different than any other content interface that they've had before. I would say similar to, um, uh, for those of you that are using various plugins, you know, you're familiar with like the Divi theme add-on or Elementor or something like that. There are these more WYSIWYG type uh, content editors. Uh, Gutenberg is just more seamless and it's not slow, I'll tell you that, like (laughs) some of the other ones. Um, the, the problem was is um, Gutenberg, as I understand it, um, was merged into the core prematurely. Oh. And um, based on how buggy it still is, the question is, do I want to update or not? Nope. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think that is a question and a conversation you need to have to with mm-hmm. your developers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rebecca was kindly in her email to link to uh, an article from Yoast um, on what is Gutenberg. And there's a great, I'm not even going to regurgitate all this. This is great. Uh, Edwin uh, Tunin at Yoast uh, developed this great post. Of course, we've had the privilege of, of hearing and talking to Jono uh, Alderson at a couple different uh, conferences, search marketing conferences this year um, about Gutenberg and, mm-hmm. and what the team... Uh, Jono works for Yoast, and so what Yoast has been doing and investing in Gutenberg early on. So really what Gutenberg is, is it's, a, it's a new block-based editing environment. Um, and what Edwin is saying here is that it will be, the impact it's going to have is, is massive. Um, some people are going to welcome it with open arms. Other people are going to go, oh my God, what the hell is this? <laughs> Um, there's, there's a, to his point, there's a large group of WordPress users who don't have a clue what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think this will be a great article to share and we certainly will probably be sharing it out over the the next few weeks here. Um, we've seen it, a couple other local developers that we work with as well, uh, have had very early access to it and, and have been playing with it to kind of prepare themselves. Um, 
but this got pushed on December 6th, so, so last week. Um, and uh, FYI, yes, Yoast works within Gutenberg, um, but it's going to have a different look and feel to it when, uh, when you're in there. Everything is a block. So you you know our content previously used to live inside of uh, you know giant HTML files, and now um, you're basically building your content like you would make a Lego set. So mm. all from one box, following a standardized, straightforward set of instructions, taking that verbatim from them. Um, so in that block, you can determine what every part of the content is: paragraphs, lists, quotes, headings, code, everything. So everything can live in this block. The cool thing is is that blocks are then reusable. So, so what this does, what this says to me is, um, in a lot of custom one-off WordPress themes, we're not going to call them templates, is that you would have, you would then have to have a, a template. Mm -hmm. So, so themes, the overarching look and feel of the site. Um, it's the paint on the car, if you will, and, and the look of it, the, the, the template might be a specific functionality mm -hmm. of say, this is what the blog post environment is going to look like. Um, this is what the custom post type is going to look like for your events or for your deals or your news type categories, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so this will allow you to basically build reusable blocks um, kind of ongoing basis. So if you develop a piece of content, it's maybe you test it, it's very well received and how people go through it. It's multi-columned or broken up with accordion tabs or whatever. You could then say, okay, any type of content like this team moving forward follows block A or this follows block B. So I think once you, you get that into your mindset, um, it'll be, you know, I think it'll be much easier um, what they point out here too is that developers can hook into this as well. So there's there's probably going to be um, like add-on blocks that you can get. So mm. like expansion packs. You know, like I'm thinking about my, my kids are big into magnetiles. Um, you know the magnetic yep. shapes, and you can buy expansion packs. Or mm. much like Cards Against Humanity, we can buy the you know uh, the 2016 presidential election uh, <laughs> expansion pack. Um, so big details. What do you need to know about uh, uh, Yoast SEO and Gutenberg? Um, they've invested deeply into this for a long time, and um, they and Yoast has a lot of really great information uh, here documented. They have uh, when they introduced Yoast uh, 8.0 and improved 8.1 is when they built their first uh, Gutenberg content blocks. Um, on how how tos and adding and FAQ structures and things like that. So, um, but all of the all of the regular things that most content uh, developers in in WordPress are used to. You know, the snippet preview, readability, focus keyword. Uh, is it cornerstone content? Internal linking suggestions, insights. That's all there. Caveat: That's that doing those things doesn't mean that your post is right. optimized. Right. But it's a nice guide. Um, so there's some really great, uh, uh, really great things to come with Gutenberg. I think, like we've discussed before, with when the new ads, Google Ads platform was forced on on people, <laughs> people either embraced it or they didn't. I think certainly us having the privilege of very early access to it, uh, well over a year ago, we were just kind of like, yeah, why not? And we might as well just, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to throw your hands up in the air and 
uh, and argue over it, or are you going to accept the fact that that's going to be the new normal and you might as well start start down that path? Didn't prevent us from putting our hands up in the air. No, it didn't. No, not at all. We just no. did it a year before everyone else. Correct. <laughs> so, um, change, change going to come. Um, cer- certainly get with your developer and, yeah. and see if that's going to impact your site at all. I, I bet that there are going to be a number of sites that, that hold off. Any, uh, any um, word on sunsetting? Yeah, when are people going to be forced? That I haven't, I have not read into that at all. Um, I I, I mean, now it's open source, so sunsetted or so sunsetted and forced are two different things, right? right, In that world, so forced, probably not. You want to run WordPress three (laughs) point seven? Do that on your own time. Good luck, (laughs) right? Sunsetted, I think, is a better a better mm. term. I I imagine they're going to have to support something as large as this for a little while now. Right. I don't know if that's nine months or ten months or twelve months. Um, that's that's um, that's not a question mm-hmm. I can answer for sure. Mm. But um, so be thinking about that as you you know are looking. Hey, if you're going to build a new site. With WordPress, you may as well, you know, go for all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. now and get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I, I think if set, you know, like any CMS, if set up properly um, and your front end's feeling, you know, feeling and looking good, it's it's literally just back-end management. And if you if you can navigate the back-end and it makes it easier and it's, it's more defined, then, you know, good. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I don't think it's going to... Um, I have not heard as to whether or not it will create any kind of like code bloat or anything like that. So, mm, yeah. um, but like any WordPress site, not not any two are equal, right? Because you can have crap developers creating crap themes uh, that are extremely bloated, and then you can have a custom one-off that's stripped right down and um, and performs really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I know. Cool. Yeah. So we'll make sure we share uh, share this and and more in the show notes and. Uh, hat tip to again Rebecca uh, for bringing that to our attention too. Um, so cool, cool, awesome. All right, gang. Until next time. Good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.